Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 144. Today's topic is the DSA's Green New Deal. So DSA stands for Democratic Socialists of America, and there are different versions of the Green New Deal. One of them is in Congress right now. Another one is the Green Party's version of the Green New Deal. And the one we'll be talking about today is the Green New Deal as drafted by the Democratic Socialists of America earlier this year. So we'll be talking about that in a few minutes. But first, here's what the climate report is all about. So we've got some serious problems to solve around the world and in the United States. We have five separate and distinct threats to our very existence. One of them is climate change. One of them is the loss of biodiversity. One of them is war, uh, including but not limited to nuclear war. Another is a rapidly diminishing supply of fresh water, which will put stress on people around the world. And another is a completely dysfunctional and unsustainable food system based on agribusiness. So those are the five threats to our very existence. And the common theme or the common thread with all those things is that we are ruled by a tiny minority. So we're taught, especially in America, that not only do we have a democracy, but we are the world leaders in democracy. But the truth of the matter and the substance of the matter is very different from that, because although we vote at the polling booth, the people that we vote for are pre-selected for us by people with money. So our democracy is limited because we're the, our choices as to who to vote for are pre-selected. We're also, we also have a very limited democracy because of the, the media, the way the media is. So the mainstream media is owned and controlled by six huge corporations. And uh, more importantly, these are businesses. They're businesses that depend on advertising revenues. So those advertisers are called sponsors. And the people who sponsor our commercial programming are not neutral as to what the programming is. And the people who sponsor the news are not neutral as to what the news does and does not say. And it's not just the news media, but it's also the entertainment media. So who sponsors the news and who sponsors the entertainment media and what do they want us to believe? Well, the news and entertainment is largely sponsored by the largest corporations. Now, when I criticize these big corporations, I'm not criticizing small business. Small business and big corporations are two entirely different things. Small business is the entrepreneur. Small business is the person in the local community who is connected to the local community, which is entirely different from these huge corporations, uh, including the Fortune 500. And the Fortune 500 have an agenda. Mainly, they want their stock value to go up. They want profits and they want to increase their stock value because when their stock value goes up, they, they get more money to do with what they want. 
So they're in the business of making money and increasing their stock value. They're in many different businesses, uh, notably big oil, uh, the fossil fuel industry, the war, war profiteers, the companies that make planes, the companies that make bombs, the companies that make nuclear weapons. These are the companies that sponsor our news media and our entertainment media, and they are not neutral as to what you believe. They are not neutral as to what you think. They are not neutral as to whether you do or don't like Muslims and Arabs and Latinos. They are not neutral as to whether we get along with each other or whether we are at odds with one another. They would much rather that we be at odds with one another for a couple of reasons. One is if we kind of if we buy into their narrative whereby they dehumanize Arabs and Muslims and people of color, then that means we are more willing to go to war. And that there's big money in war. And the other reason that they are not neutral as to whether we like people of a different ethnicity or whether we see people in other countries as human or maybe a little bit less than human or maybe they're humans that are so different from us that they're kind of hard to understand and sometimes you just have to deal with them with force and violence. The Fortune 500 are not neutral as to our attitudes because when we are willing to go to war, when we as a country are willing to go to war with other countries, they make a lot of money on the weapons of war, they make a lot of money on oil, Plus, our, when our military exists all around the world, that even causes, puts us in a position to be able to force open markets in Latin America, in Asia, so that McDonald's and KFC and Taco Bell can just kind of go into those areas and do what they want, or so that the big banks can make loans to countries and uh, in the words of Woodrow Wilson, we, uh, the, in the words of, well, Woodrow Wilson in so many words said that it's the job of the military and it's the job of the federal government to beat down the doors of other countries, even if their sovereignty of unwilling countries be abused or some, something to that effect. So it's the idea that these transnational corporations are not just in the business of selling weapons of war. They're not just in the business of selling oil. They are also in the business of opening up markets all around the world. And they can only do that optimally if the U.S. military totally and completely dominates the world. And when the U.S. military totally and completely dominates the world, then the Fortune 500 can make a lot more money than they could otherwise. And they are in the business of making money. Their only loyalty is to their shareholders. 
from a legal standpoint and from a financial standpoint, the Fortune 500 only have loyalty to their shareholders and their only duty is to make a profit and to increase their share value. And the thing is, they don't want you and I to know this. That what I'm sharing with you now is something that we should have been taught in elementary school because it's the way the world works. And yet the average viewer of the news, the average viewer of the mainstream media, and the average viewer of movies and so forth that are big in the business, of advancing and promoting propaganda, the average viewer is not supposed to know about what I'm telling you. Because if the average viewer and the average citizen is not fully aware of what the Fortune 500 are doing, what the big oil companies are doing, what the big transnational restaurant companies are doing, then they can continue to do what they want and make a lot of profit. And that is another reason. The reason I started down this road is just to explain why we don't really live in a democracy. The demos, the citizenry, the people do not really have very much control at all about what goes on, and these are some of the reasons why. So at the Climate Report, one of our jobs, one of our priorities is to help you become ever more aware of how power really works so that we can take power from this tiny fraction of people, less than 1%, who control the world and because we have, they have the money, but we have the numbers. For the time being, quite honestly, the money is in charge. People with money run the world. It doesn't have to be that way. It's our job to change that, and that's what the Climate Report is all about. This program is part of WFMP's Public Affairs Educational Programming. The views expressed are those of the speaker and not the station. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. If you enjoy this content, then let me invite you to go to theclimatereport.net. And right there on the home page, you can get access to more uh, episodes of this podcast and also to playlists and to videos and to my blog. So as promised, we're going to be talking about the DSA's version of the Green New Deal. And I want to invite, if you like this content, I want you to, to invite you to come out to the Green New Deal Teach-In, which is monthly in Louisville. It, we had one last night. It, people were really engaged for three and a half hours. And uh, you know how, how often is it, how easy is it to get people to engage for three and a half hours, but yet we did that last night uh, and we will be doing that monthly. It is uh, the Green New Deal Teach-In is co-sponsored by the Climate Report and DSA, Democratic Socialists of America, and also by Extinction Rebellion of Kentucky. So let's just start right into this. Here is the DSA's version of the Green New Deal. Now I have taken the liberty to add 
the there, there are seven bullet points. Uh, I, I want to, in other words, this is a summary, and I want to read the summary. There are seven points, seven main points to the DSA's version of the Green New Deal. And number one, we uh, we will decarbonize the economy fully by 2030. Number two, we will democratize control over major energy systems and resources. Number three, we will center the working class in a just transition to an economy of societal and ecological care. Number four, we will decommodify survival by guaranteeing living wages, health care, child care, housing, food, water, energy, public transit, a healthy environment, and other necessities for all. Number five, we will reinvent our communities to serve people and planet, not profit. Number six, we will demilitarize, decolonize, and strive for a future of international solidarity and cooperation. Number seven, we will redistribute resources from the worst polluters with just and progressive taxes on the rich, on big corporations, and on dirty industry, as well as by diverting funds away from policing, prisons, and our government's bloated military budget. Now let's start into a full version of the DSA's Green New Deal. It is entitled An Eco-Socialist Green New Deal, colon, Guiding Principles, published February 28, 2019. Let me just take a minute to define eco-socialism, or at least suggest what it might mean. It is a combination of ecology and socialism, and I like saying that, or there's a, a good quote that I heard, there is no true ecology without socialism, and there is no true socialism without ecology. So I like that. So what does the ecology part mean? The ecology part means that we are creatures of planet Earth, and we will forget that at our peril. We depend on our environment. We depend on our environment to provide us clean water, clean air, healthy food, uh, and a toxin-free environment. So that's what the ecology part means, and the socialist part means simply you know, socialism is a very modest proposition. Socialism means that to a great extent we are in this together. To a great extent we have to manage our shared resources in order for those resources to even be here for future generations. Socialism is also an acknowledgement that the, the air and the water and and our biodiversity and our agricultural lands, etc., are not just to be owned by a very, very few. 
Let's take agriculture as an example. So the way agribusiness is done today, the way agriculture is done today, these huge corporations are allowed to buy up land and they are allowed to use the land in a way that is destructive of the land itself. They destroy the soil, they use you know, petroleum-based fertilizers, which kills the living ingredients in the soil. Uh, they are allowed to carry on agriculture in a way that is bad for the water. Uh, it is very, it has a big impact on climate because it takes 10 calories of fossil fuel to create one calorie of edible food. So we have a way of producing food that has a big negative impact on the environment and yet it's that way because it makes profit for a very few people. There are a very few corporations that, that are trying, doing their best to control the entirety of the world's uh, food system. And we Americans consider ourselves a nation of entrepreneurs, but we're, we have become a nation of monopolies. We have allowed monopolies to take over every conceivable industry. And so the situation I'm describing to you is entirely inconsistent with the idea that to some extent we, we, we have a shared destiny and we have shared resources. And at its very most modest form, socialism is just the acknowledgement that we have a shared destiny and we have shared resources and we have to manage those shared resources together. What we have now in many ways is we, we have privatization of profits and socialization of costs and risks. So when agribusiness companies or mining companies or petrochemical companies are allowed to have a big impact on the climate and they're allowed to pollute the water and they're allowed to pollute the air and then they take all the profits home to their shareholders, then they are keeping the profit, but they're shifting the costs and the risks onto us. And the thing is, I'm not supposed to be telling you this because they don't want you to know. They want your brain and your heart to be polluted with lies and false notions about private enterprise and entrepreneurism. But it's increasingly difficult to even start a small business today because the business scene is controlled by monopolies much, much more than anything remotely resembling free enterprise. So let's continue reading through the DSA's version of the Green New Deal. It says, humankind has reached a moment of existential crisis. Okay, that's the very first sentence of it. I don't like the sentence. It's vague. Um, it, the rest of it is much, much, it's, it's jargon, it's vague. I don't even know myself what it means. So let's go on to the next sentence. Human activity is causing disastrous climate disruption and Earth's sixth, ma sixth mass extinction, triggering critical losses of biodiversity. So three key concepts here. One is that the climate disruption, one thing, it's not just climate change, it's climate disruption. Number two is it is caused by human activity and it is resulting in a sixth mass extinction 
event, uh, triggering critical losses of biodiversity. So the sixth mass extinction, uh, I say frequently on this show that we have five threats to our existence. One of them is the loss of biodiversity. So what I'm saying, what, what I'm doing there is referring to this sixth mass extinction. The fifth mass extinction was 65 million years ago, when, which resulted in the dinosaurs dying off. So there have been five mass extinction events in Earth history, and the, the sixth one is underway. It's not in the future. It is happening now. The only question is, you know, okay, so mass extinction goes like this. There, according to evolutionary theory, there, there's a certain amount of extinction that is natural. A species evolve and come into existence and then they go extinct. So a certain amount, some go extinct. Uh, so a certain amount of extinction is natural, but the, uh, the rate of extinction that we're experiencing now is something on the order of a thousand times what would be natural. So humans are causing this mass extinction, and that's what they're referring to here. It is not something to be taken lightly. Uh, and yet it is the, the, the oligarchs, the ruling elite, the mass media don't want you to know this. They don't mind if you know it a little bit from time to time, but they don't want you to think it's an emergency. They don't want you to think it's a, a reason that we need to not just change our lifestyle, but change our whole freaking government. Especially we need to change who is really in charge uh, because the way government is now, it's not we the people, it's we the corporation. It's not the United States of America, it's the United Corporations of America. Because corporations and billionaires have been allowed to, to buy our government. And our job is for the 99% of us to organize, educate, and agitate so that we push these big corporate powers and billionaires out of the off of the throne continuing to read we are already locked in for global warming that will have catastrophic effects and we are on a slippery path to our own extinction um, yet again as if to sound like a broken record the media elites and the power elites don't want you to know this, and if you do know it, they don't want you to think it's a sense of urgency because they are making a lot of money off of business as usual. So when people in the media uh, act incredulous at any need for any radical change, they are what I call defenders of business as usual. They're making a lot of money off of business as usual, and they don't want that to change. And in so doing, they are showing that, to them, short-term profits are more important than everything else that is important to us, including life itself, including our lives, including the lives of our children, including the lives of all of the species that we appreciate and, in fact, depend upon to maintain our own existence. Continuing to read, the 2018 special report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC, that's the United Nations body that, uh, that 
is a clearinghouse for climate research. The 2018 special report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC, warns unequivocally that without societal transformation and rapid implementation of ambitious greenhouse gas reduction measures, pathways to limiting warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius and achieving sustainable development will be exceedingly difficult, if not impossible, to achieve. So what they're saying here is that societal transformation is necessary, and this, this can be good. This can be, we can have the time of our lives, but we have to make it happen. It's not a, all about austerity. In fact, it's, in fact, it's the power elites. It's the ruling class that want you to think that you have to make sacrifices for the good of society. But what they're really saying is that they want you to make sacrifices for the good of their bank accounts, their stock portfolios, their grip on power. They want you to make sacrifices while they do what they want. But I like saying we have an opportunity to create a whole new world, and that sounds idealistic, but we are in an age where idealism is absolutely essential. We have to envision a better world and then work toward implementation of whatever it takes to make that new world a reality. So idealism is absolutely necessary, and the opposite of idealism is cynicism. Cynicism, two things about cynicism. One is it's a luxury, and secondly, it is lazy. Cynicism is lazy. And by cynicism, I mean a couple of things. I mean a, a, a cynicism is a resistance to making the world better, and it comes in the form of when political elites and media elites are critical of the Green New Deal, critical of people who want a Green New Deal. It comes in the form of people like Mitch McConnell standing squarely in opposition of any positive change whatsoever, because his job, quite literally, is to defend business as usual and to maintain the power of those who currently have power. But that is not a noble calling. In fact, it is a completely illegitimate exercise of power. And here's why I say that. Because the purpose of government is to work for the best interests of, of everyone, not least of all the majority. In the words of the preamble of the Constitution, the federal government was established to promote the general welfare. But what are the defenders of business as usual doing? They are standing in the way of the general welfare. They are standing in the way of the societal transformation that we need. That societal transformation is described no better than it is described in the various versions of the Green New Deal. Got about another minute and I need to wrap it up. 
So we're looking for a societal transformation. We need a societal transformation to survive, let alone thrive. And those societal transformations are described in the Green New Deal, the DSA version of the Green New Deal, the Green Party's version of the Green New Deal, the congressional version of the Green New Deal. And the thing is, we can no longer depend on government to take care of this. We have to change government. Government such as it is, is standing in the way. Media such as it is, is standing in the way. And business such as it is, is standing in the way. That's why it's up to you and me to learn the Green New Deal and to implement its provisions. That's all for today. Thank you for joining me. Hope you'll come back soon. Have a great day. Bye now.